Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Dialogue Out Loud series. I'm Taylor Petrie, editor of Dialogue, a Journal of Mormon Thought. Today, we're excited to have with us Katrine Freeman, the author of the fall 2022 article in Dialogue, Drum Rhythms and Golden Scriptures, Reasons for Mormon Conversion Within Haiti's Culture of Voodoo. In this fascinating piece, Katrine delves into the complex and often paradoxical relationship between Haitian voodoo and Mormonism, two religions that may seem vastly different at first glance. Katrine explores the relationships behind the large number of Haitian converts to Mormonism since the opening of an LDS mission in Haiti in 1983, and discusses the role of music, dance, and community in both religions. Join us as we chat with Katrine about her research, her findings, and the implications of her work for understanding the relationship between conversion and cultural identity. Katrine will also share with her thoughts with us her thoughts on the future of Mormon conversion in Haiti and beyond. Sit back, relax, and let's dive into this thought-provoking conversation with Katrine Freeman. Katrine, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So could you tell us a little bit about your research and what motivated you to study the intersection of Haitian voodoo and Mormon conversion? Of course. So um, I grew up Mormon. Uh, I'm not practicing the religion anymore, but I love Mormonism. I study it. It's pretty much part of my identity uh, and daily life. And so um, when I was going to college, which, by the way, I'm a super late bloomer, uh, I was in Trinity College in Hartford. Um, I got the chance to take a class with uh, Leslie Demangle, who's a professor in uh, Caribbean studies over there. And uh, he just showed up tons of different clips about uh, different religions in the Caribbean, including Haiti. And uh, it was very interesting to me because watching some rituals uh, that were being done on some different documentaries, I realized that there were you know, a lot of similarities with Mormonism, whether it is uh, with different rituals we do in the temple, uh, giving a new name, uh, the signification of uh, the ancestors' family history, and also colors as far as the clothing that you you wear and all of that. So it was very interesting to me uh, to actually realize that and saying, hold on, this, this is very intriguing because those are two different religions, two different um, set of people and beliefs, yet they connect somehow. So I wanted to dive more into this because I, at the time, you know, and even now, there's not that much research done on Haitian voodoo and Mormonism. So just wanted to explore uh, that idea and, and see where it would take me. Well, the results were really, really fascinating. So thanks for doing this work. For many of our listeners who, and, and many Americans in general, many people who might be looking at this, voodoo is not something that they're familiar with, at least not maybe beyond some of the popular media stereotypes about it. Again, this is a big question, but can you just give a brief overview for what exactly is it? What, what maybe some of the history and, and, and some of the uh, major beliefs and practices? Yeah, so I'll try to make a summary of that because I think we could have a whole podcast on this. 
So you're right. Like the public is usually not familiar with what voodoo is. And most of the time when I talk about my research, people think that I mispronounce it because of my accent. You know, I come from France. I probably don't know how to say it, but it's actually not the case. It is voodoo. So there are two different things that that is important to know is that voodoo is most commonly known as voodoo. And uh, voodoo is a made up religion that appeared uh, in the Western world during the American occupation of Haiti. So Haiti has a terrible history of colonization, whether it is from uh, the Spanish and then the French, and then they actually uh, could free themselves uh, and take over their country and be independent. Uh, there was two American occupations in the early uh, uh, 1900s. And uh, during that military, first military occupation, um, there was a push of uh, racism that was present in the country. And so uh, a lot of people from the United States who were there decided to write you know, little things to make fun of certain cultural traditions and religious traditions, uh, especially the zombies, right? Zombies come from, from Haiti, uh, and I can talk more about that later. But uh, all of this uh, racist stereotypes and animosity towards uh, the Haitian people who were dehumanized was actually you know, travel to the United States and especially Hollywood. And so it's where you see the zombie in Hollywood, which is an actual like movie genre uh, and all the voodoo dolls and all of that, which actually do not exist in the religion. Uh, so there are two different things, a made up voodoo religion uh, and the actual voodoo religion. Do I, did I answer your question? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what the, the Vodou religion is? What are some of the things, especially, you know, maybe this leads into the article itself, but what were some of the, the parallels that you bega began to see between um, LDS tradition and, and Vodou? Definitely. So Vodou originated uh, during uh, the time of slavery. It was an actual religious weapon against colonization where slaves who were taken from different parts of Africa uh, were forbidden to actually practice their religion with the Code Noir. I don't know if you're familiar, which was a, a set of laws that the French uh, decided to impose on the slaves. Um, you know, very strict laws uh, forbidden them to do any type, to practice any type of religion. But the slaves were really smart and needed a community. And, and Vodou, you know, was created by bringing all those religious traditions from different parts of Africa uh, to, to make a stronger community, to actually help uh, the slaves survive, defend themselves, and, and call on gods, um, you know, to get, to become a stronger community. So Vodou is, is, is a way of, is a way of life. Uh, it's, very much part of the culture, the politics, the daily life, also medicine, you know, um, it is really part of like, if you're sick, you're going to see 
you know, the mambo and see with the ugon, which are a vodou priest to see what you, what you can do. They can bless you. They can, they can call the spirits for you. So it, it, it is kind of like, I mean, long story short, similar to Mormonism with the, the priesthood blessings, with the, the oil that we put on your head or, or even some rituals we do in the temple to bless your body. So it's just it's just a pure, beautiful religion uh, that is there to support the community. So yeah. So Latter Day Saints show up in Haiti in uh, 1983, I believe, is uh, when when the mission opens there, and we begin to see a wave of converts to the tradition. And a lot of what your argument is about is hypothesizing some explanations for why Haitians would would join Mormonism. It's especially interesting given the context of Vodou being an anti-colonialist tradition, or at least having some some roots there. So talk to us a little bit about what happens when Mormons show up. And, and about your theory here about why Haitians are attracted to Mormonism. Yeah, so so it's important to know that that Mormonism arrived in Haiti late. Uh, and so the first Mormon convert, Lamura, uh, what, was asked to send an actual picture of himself to a mission president in Florida uh, to double check uh, the complexion of his skin to make sure that he was more white than than black. And Lamoura was just a pioneer in helping the, the Haitians convert to Mormonism. So once he got the okay to go ahead and say, let's convert my friends, let's just move, move on with this fantastic religion, because he was fully converted and had a deep love for the religion. Um, you know, a lot of people started to convert to the Mormon church. And so I do, I want to make sure that I don't undermine the faith of the Haitian people who convert to Mormonism because it's, they do have a testimony. They do believe in the church. And so I want, I want to make sure that, that I'm not saying something differently, but also I think it's important to realize that Mormonism is an American religion period and that the image of Mormonism is deeply linked to America and the wealth of America um, is just the way that people see it and not only in Haiti. Um, and so when you look at, at, at the Mormon church in Haiti today or even before, what do you see? You see wealth, beautiful temple, uh, with very expensive material. Uh, you see like the, the church meeting buildings um, that have AC, internet, they have furniture and they're clean, they're painted, all the things that maybe we might be, you know, take for granted in the Western world, you know, that doesn't happen often in Haiti until you, you know, unless you're very wealthy, which is less than 10% of the population. So there is that image of wealth and if you join the mormons you start belonging to that category of people who are you know can seem more educated have more money and it also you know you go on missions you can travel the church supports the um its members so there is just that very 
image that's very attractive for populations who are like struggling because Haiti is one of the poorest country in the Caribbean, just period. And, and I use this in my article, a few examples that among the many uh, earthquake and hurricane and everything that they have, uh, the Mormon buildings are fine because they're strong and very well made and actually become shelters, shelters for many people. They also are uh, a social spaces, whether you're Mormon or not, uh, you know, the church opens its doors to everyone. And if you want to do homework after school or if you want to play basketball, there is a basketball court, believe it or not, everywhere. Um, so this is just a big social space and big advertisement for a very wealthy white American image that a lot of people long for. So this thesis about sort of upward mobile, upward social mobility as being one of the attractions of Mormonism around the globe has been uh, sort of shown in a lot of different places. So it's so fascinating to see it show up in your research in, in Haiti as well. Um, tell us a little bit about what your research kind of brings to broader conversations about religion, cultural identity, conversion. Uh, you know, the, these are such live questions, uh, of course, for, for members of the church and for Mormonism, but have broader implications as well. What do you see as the contribution here? Well, I think my research, you know, just scratched the surface. Uh, I think Jennifer Hasbaskia opened the door for more research. And I actually was so excited to read her research. She did an amazing job. Uh, I know there are more people right now researching the topic, but I think that conversion is very, very important topic in religious studies because first religion is, is alive. It's changing all the time. Uh, what does it mean to convert to Mormonism? You know, or for me, it's, it's very important because specifically with Mormonism, there is that idea of, and, and that's the made up word, you're gonna laugh, but Mormification. You know, once you become a Mormon, you're supposed to forget everything else as far as I'm, I'm, for example, I'm French, but I'm a Mormon. I'm Haitian, but I'm a Mormon. I'm not allowed to practice other religions because it's a rigid, Mormonism is rigid. It's, it's a very straightforward, strict, strict religion. And, uh, and I think everybody can agree with that. Uh, and so I think just opening that idea of what it means to convert to religion on a cultural level, right? We There is that idea of religious citizenship, if I could say. What is your identity? Because Mormonism becomes, comes first, right? Even sometimes before government, correct? And, and that's since the beginning of the church. So I think that that idea of conversion is very, very interesting just to see the impact it has on cultural traditions, identity, and just behaviors in general. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a Mormon, right? So this has been so fascinating. Is, is there one sort of thing in the course of the research that you were doing that kind of jumped out to you as the most? I mean, you, you mentioned at the beginning some of the things that kind of hooked you in. But in the course of the research, was there one thing that you found the most interesting or the most surprising? Yes. So I had to be, you know, with COVID, 
and the limitation that this brought to the entire world uh, and also the political instability in Haiti, you know, I was not able, unfortunately, uh, to go there and visit and, and be in person there. So I had to be, uh, you know, find different ways to be able to to connect with uh, Vaudouisant, we call them the Vaudouisant, people who practice uh, Vaudou. Uh, and so I was able to attend a few rituals virtually. And so particularly the Fed Gede, there is uh, there's a large population of Vaudouisant in Boston. And so they actually send you a Zoom link like we did today uh, for you to be able to, to witness the ritual, be part of it. And that ritual is very lengthy. You know, it, it can take all day because you pray, uh, you sing, uh, you eat, you dance, but you have you rely on the gods. You rely on the gods to show up to the ceremony. So possession happens there. And so we have to redefine possession, but that could take a long time. But um, I was there, you know, just glued to the screen. And my kids were like, oh, what are you? I have two girls, Chloe and Noha. And they were like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm watching uh, the Fed Gede. And they're oh, can we watch? And I was like, of course you can watch. And so, you know, that stereotype of voodoo being scary, uh, you know, Satan is governing the whole thing. That idea of sorcery and negativity coming to it does not exist. And so it became from it became for my family like a big event, and my kids were watching. We were eating dinner, do like watching it, and they were not scared. There was an instance of an instance of possession, uh, where one of the dancer was possessed um, by a god, and that god came and gave his beautiful message to the rest of the people to encourage encourage the community, you know, to stay strong and not give up and it was just fun so i think to answer your question what i found that was really awesome is that i could involve my kids without being afraid of them seeing something disturbing or hearing something disturbing it became something that that broke the stereotypes for them because they've loved watching uh the princess and the frog from Disney or Louisiana tale where voodoo is actually terrible in it again, right? And, and now they are able to pass on these informations to their friends. And, and I think that that was very important to me that my family got involved and, and firsthand so that it was actually awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Katrine, for your knowledge and for sharing your time and your insights with us. We hope that our listeners have enjoyed this conversation and have learned something new about Haitian Vodou and Mormon conversion. If you'd like to learn more, we encourage you to check out Katrine's article, Drum Rhythms and Golden Scriptures, Reasons for Mormon Conversion with Haitian Culture uh, within Haitian uh, within Haiti's culture of Vodou and to explore other resources on this topic. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And don't forget to leave us a review or get in touch with any comment, get in touch with us with any comments or questions. We hope you'll tune in for future episodes of our podcast 
and we look forward to continuing the conversation about Haitian voodoo and Mormon conversion in further research. Thanks again. Welcome to Bristlecombe Firesides, casual conversation around a virtual fireside where we discuss faith, the earth, the universe, and everything. We are your hosts, Abby and Madison. The central question we ask each other, as well as poets, artists, activists, and other guests around our virtual fireside, is what does it mean to belong to the earth? So if you've ever wondered how to reground your faith and spiritual practice in the stuff of the earth, this is the podcast for you. Catch up on previous seasons by subscribing to Bristlecone Firesides on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. From the Aspen Mountains, Juniper Forests, Red Rock Deserts, and Salty Lakes of Utah, we wish you peace and goodness as you strive to find yourself in the family of the earth. Dialogue Podcast Network.